0: The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, great to have you with you. I, I need to kind of make a little bit of a apology, a little amendment here to uh, uh, something here on the... Uh, On the announcement sheet and they do have that there notice uh brian said something about our oyster roast tonight and then we have a newcomer's uh reception on sunday january 22nd and right underneath that it says membership class date change and um we we actually originally there it's a january 23rd monday night but we had originally scheduled this a long time ago uh, for tomorrow night and uh, not thinking that tomorrow night happens to be what the national championship, and, you know, Clemson is playing, so I don't know if I didn't have enough faith that they would make it to the game or something, I don't know, but, uh, and that's not the only reason why we changed the date, but anyway, I apologize if you had signed up for the January 9th date, but we did move it to January 23rd, and uh, we would love for you to join us if you're interested in, um, you know, formalizing your commitment here to Coastal, and, and by the way, the newcomer's reception is a great little first next step as well, and we'd love for you to sign up for that. Um, boy, thanks for coming and, uh, again, braving the frozen tundra uh, out there today. Uh, I'm glad that you, that you came, but there's no bl- I didn't see any black ice on my way in this morning, so that was good. Um, today, uh, I want to share uh, something with you uh, that has been on my heart and my mind as I've been uh, praying about our church for 2017, kind of evaluating things and uh, thinking and praying through some goals uh, for our church. And I want to talk about that. Uh, today. You know, here at Coastal, uh, we believe that the entire message of the Bible is all about God reaching out to you so that you and I would reach back out to him. Uh, We really believe that is a story of redemption. In fact, the entire life of Jesus was all about uh, reaching out to people who were lost, loving people, who are far away from God so that they would come home. And then once they come home, once you and I have been found, our reason for living, our our mission in life, the purpose of our church, in fact, is to reach out to people, to love people, to serve people, so that maybe, just maybe, they too might find their way and come home. That is what this church is all about. That's what we believe is the heart of God. And, and I, I, wanna, I want you to, to know this. That, that, that shapes everything that we do here. Okay? In other words, it's not just a little, you know, a little side note. It's not just a, a nice thing to reference once in a while, to talk about once in a while. Um, it, it is why we exist. It, it is the lens through which we evaluate everything that we do. It is our mission. It is our passion. This redemptive story of God. Now, over the years, I, I have preached a lot of messages about how we accomplish that, how we do that here at Coastal. And we talk all the time about, you know, our evangelism strategy of invest and invite, you know, be a friend, you know, build a relationship, build a redemptive relationship with people who don't know Jesus. Not because, you know, that you're better than them, they're less than you, but that's, that's our mission, you know, to find people, to, be, to build relationships, to, to live as a missionary. You know, where you live, where you work, where you play, and to, to love and to serve your neighbor, and, and then to pray for that open door, and, you know, share your story, share your faith, and we like to say that we, we will partner with you. You know, we'll lock arms with you. Invite them here. Invite them to Coastal, because if they come here, they're going to hear about Jesus. We're going to point them to him. Well, to set the tone for the new year, 2017, I, I want us to look again at what I, what I call one of those like, uh, foundational core chapters in the Bible for our church. It's Luke chapter 15, and it's a chapter that we, we try to go back to uh, again and again and again to remind us of our mission and why we do what we do here at Coastal. So let, let me kind of set the stage for you, give you the context of what's going on here. Jesus, at, at this particular time, he's just being Jesus, Okay, he's just doing what he does and what he does best. Doing, in fact, what he came to do. He's actually hanging out uh, with people who were far from God. People who were considered on the outside. uh, The outcast of his day. He was eating with them, hanging out with them. Sinners, people who would be considered, even in that day, far from God. You know, in our day, they might be those people who wouldn't, you know, would never darken the door of a church, and he was loving them, he was teaching them, he was hanging out with them, eating with them. Now, the problem is, though, is that this literally ticked off the religious leaders of the day. You know, what in the world is he doing? He's hanging out with these people who are less than, hanging out with people who don't matter. Well, finally, it's as though Jesus kind of had it up to here. And he, and he basically just says, enough. You know, enough of that. And then, for the first and only time in his entire ministry, Jesus tells these three stories in, in, in rapid fire, back to back to back, to clear up, once and for all, all the confusion about his mission, about why he came, and to give people a peek into the heart of God. And what's on, you know, what's on God's heart? The first story goes like this. If you had 100 sheep, and how many of them? How many? What does it say? How many? One of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness. Wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrived, you would... Call together your friends and your neighbors to rejoice with you because this lost sheep was found. In the same way, listen to this, in the same way, heaven will be happier over how many? One. One lost sinner who returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and who haven't strayed away. The power of one. Second story beginning in verse eight. Or suppose a woman has 10 valuable silver coins and loses how many? How many? One. Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny? I don't know what a nook and cranny is, but I like that phrase, nook and cranny. Anybody got a nook and cranny at home? Anyway, so she looks at every nook and cranny until she finds it. And when she finds it, she'll call in all her friends and her neighbors and rejoice with her because she has found her lost coin. In the same way, listen to this, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even, how many? One. One One sinner repents. The power of one. Now stop right there for a second. There's a few common threads, obviously, in these two stories. And before we go on to the third, I I don't want you to miss this. You've got to catch this. Uh, First of all, write this down. One thing of great value is missing. That's the common thread, right, in both stories? Lost sheep, lost coin. One, one thing of great value is missing. Number two, this one, one thing is so valuable that it warrants an all-out search, right? You know, search every nook and cranny. Leave the 99 just to go find the one. Number three. Once the one thing is found, what happens? There is a what? There's a party. There's a celebration. You know, call in all the friends and neighbors. Celebrate the power of one. And then verse 11 says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. And then Jesus tells what is probably one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. Jesus says, A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on what? Wild living. Basically, the son takes off for Vegas, right? Takes off for Vegas, loses everything, loses all of his money all of his friends, and he hits rock bottom. Now, he eventually comes to his senses, and he decides to come home. And the Bible says that when the father saw him returning, he ran to him, hugged him, called to his servants, and said, we must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Now, we miss a lot in that story culturally, but so to understand the story, I want you to know some things about their their culture. Let me me give you a few things that a a Middle Eastern dad in that day would absolutely never, ever, ever do, okay? First of all, a a Middle Eastern patriarch, a father, uh, he would never divide up his estate early. And, uh, and give it to one of his kids. I mean, never, ever, ever under any circumstances. Now, in our day, okay, today, we miss that because, you know, you do whatever you want to with your money, right, parents? I mean, you know, some of you are hoping to spend it, you know, until, you know, and, and, you know, walk, you know your kids walk away with nothing. You don't care. You want to, all of it to be gone. Or you could give it to a charity. I mean, you could divide up however, whatever you want to. But in that day, a Middle Eastern dad would follow a thousand-year tradition of holding on to everything, all of the land, all of the cattle, all of the you know, belongings that he had acquired and generations before him over a lifetime until, until his deathbed. And then just before he died, there'd be this kind of a, a ceremonial transferal, uh, if you will, uh, to the oldest son and then to the rest of the family. Now, that is the way it had been done in that culture for generations, okay, it had always been done that way. But in our famous story that Jesus tells, the younger son comes to the father and says, I want what's coming to me now, now. In effect, he was saying to the dad, I wanna live from here on out as if you were dead and you got no claim on my life whatsoever. Now, in some ways, the most remarkable part of this story is what comes next. Because see, what Jesus is wanting his listeners to understand and to know is that the father in this story is not your typical father. And our father in heaven, about whom the story is really being told, is not your average God. So here's the first major twist in the story. Jesus says, so the dad agreed to divide his inheritance early and give it to the boy. Now, everybody that was listening to this story, they would all, (gasps) I mean, they would have gasped. I mean, they would have freaked out. No way. I mean, that would have never happened. And so he gives the estate to this rebellious younger son, and then he just stands and watches. And probably what happened is The younger son sells all the family stuff, you know, so he can raise some cash and stuff his pockets full of money, and he packs everything, and he heads out for the bright lights of the big city. Now, at this point in the story, Jesus' listeners must have thought, man, that dad is crazy, I mean, he's lost it. He is insane. A dad would never do that. I mean, he would have he smacked his son on the back of, it, back of the head and said, hey, get back to work out in the fields. Time out. Let's talk about you and me for a minute. Let's talk about what some of us did in our younger days. That was pure foolishness. And maybe self-destructive and maybe even hurt other people. When you struck out on your own, and you waved goodbye to God, and you headed down the wrong path. Let's talk about what some of us did last year, or last week, or maybe even last night. Let's talk about those times when we thumb our nose at God And uh, we tell him in our own rebellious way what we want and when we want it and how we want it and to step aside because we're gonna go our own way in our own path. And he even knows that you're heading down the wrong path. Now let me tell you something. God could smack you on the back of the head, pirate your will, and make you conform to his program. He has the power and I could build the case That maybe even has the right to do that. But what does God, in His extraordinary mercy, do? He lets us go. But then He says this You can always come home. I will let you go, I'll let you go down that path, I'll let you pursue whatever you want to pursue. But you can come home. I love you that much. Some of your parents know what just a taste of that love is like. What a remarkable God we have. Now, before we go on in the story, can I just ask you any of you in a distant, faraway land right now? Any of you had any thoughts recently that maybe, just maybe, you want to come home? Today might be your day. Let's go on in the story. You know how it goes. Uh, the son runs out of money. I mean, he runs out of everything. Not, not be- and, and by the way, not because he like gives it to the poor. Or he even falls for some sort of, you know, uh, bad uh, money scheme or anything like that. The Bible actually says that he ran through his entire money pile in in wild living. in today's language, he flushed it down the toilet. Okay? Everything. He blew it. And then what makes matters worse is that soon after, a famine comes in and just complicates everything. So now he is out of money, out of friends, out of food. And for the very first time in his life, he's got to face the truth about himself. And now there is no one, no one around to bail him out. In fact, the Bible says the only employment that he could find was actually feeding pigs. And he got jealous of the slop that he is feeding to the pigs. So finally, you know, we say this a lot here at Coastal. People don't change when they see the light. They change when they feel the heat. And so he's feeling the heat. And so the thought occurs to him, what I wouldn't give for a second chance. Maybe, maybe I could go home. Maybe I could go back to my dad. And I could, you know, Maybe I could just talk in, him into you know, giving me a job as a servant. I mean, he's not sure if his dad will even want to see him again. And then, you know, when his dad finds out that he has squandered all of his money, all of the money that the dad had spent an entire lifetime, probably generations acquiring, then what? Then what's going to happen? I mean, this thought is a long shot, and he knows it. So he turns toward home. He takes that step home. And as he gets closer, he looks off into the distance. And he can't believe his eyes. There is his dad doing something else that a Middle Eastern patriarch in that day would never ever do. Run. He's running. He's running out in public, running in front of the neighbors. I mean, he is running in full speed toward him. Now again, today in our culture, we kind of miss all the sensitivity of that because a lot of you run, right? You run, but not in that day, not in that culture. Running was beneath the, the dignity of a wealthy, uh, intelligent middle eastern leader dad father patriarch of a a clan of a family you know if something needed hurried attention the patriarch would just send a servant for it a child running for it but there's no way that a long-robed highly cultured middle eastern dad would ever be caught public in public running it was unthinkable And yet, get this, in plain view, here comes the prodigal son's dad. Man, he is in full stride. You know, you could just picture in your mind maybe hair blowing, you know, maybe he's got his robe all all hitched up, his sandals are flopping, his arms are outstretched. I mean, can can you see the picture that Jesus is painting for his listeners of, of, of this dad running, running in full speed? To his, how many? One wayward son. The power of one. And his listeners are slowly beginning to understand what Jesus is trying to teach them, which is the fact that the dad in this story, listen to me, he's no ordinary dad. And the father, the father in heaven about whom this story is really being told, he is no ordinary father. The Father in heaven, the God of the universe, has his heart, listen to this, his heart so totally wrapped around the heart of even the most wayward, rebellious child that when just one of them is tired of living dead-end lives in faraway, distant lands, and they turn around, And they take just one step of faith home. You know what they can find? They can expect to find the Father of all fathers, the God of the universe, our loving Heavenly Father, in full stride, running, running to you with outstretched arms saying, welcome home, welcome home. Man, don't, don't ever lose sight of that picture in your mind. It is one of the, the classic images in the entire Bible. if you want to know truly the heart of God, man, the perfect, holy, heavenly Father in full stride, running to the wayward son and daughter, arms extended wide to ready to offer mercy after we've blown it. I mean, the, the kid in the story, he had gone to feeding pigs. How long are some of you going to keep feeding on the stuff that doesn't satisfy your soul? Whether that's stuff or unhealthy relationships. How long are you going to keep going to that feeding trough when you know it doesn't satisfy? I mean, at some point in your life, it's time to say, Man, enough. This is crazy. What am I doing? And some of you, just maybe, you're almost there. Some of you have gotten to that place and you've actually thought about turning around and heading home. And maybe that's what has brought you here. But you are so worried, whether it's at a church or, or more to the point, to God that you are going to get a closed fist instead of open arms. You're worried that you're going to be shamed instead of embraced. You're worried that judgment is going to come instead of mercy. Listen, that's why Jesus told this story. That's why he told this story. He, he wants you to know, hey, listen, this This is what you can expect from the heart of God when you come home. If you will take one step in faith toward him, man, this is the awesome part. He will run to you and he will make up the distance. See, some of you are afraid that Man, it's, it's such a long journey back home. There's no way that, that hill, you know, it's just too much, and there's no way I can, I can ever be good enough. There's no way I can ever do it. I can't make it. I can't be that person. No. One step. God runs to you. He makes up the difference. Now, back to the story. The son returned to the father. The father has extended mercy to the wayward son. They're walking back home together. I mean, arm in arm, uh, tears rolling down their cheeks. And, and then right here, Jesus puts in one, one more kind of twist uh, to the story. Because truthfully, the listeners are probably still expecting, you know, to conclude the story with some shame and guilt. You know, that, that's what they're expecting. But how's the story end? The dad in the story does one more thing that a Middle Eastern dad would never do. He throws a what? He throws a party. I mean, they have a barbecue right here in the South. That's what they do. I mean, the father sends a a word out and he says, hey, no, no, no shaming my son, okay? Listen, I know what he did. I know what he did was foolish. I know he blew all the money, but he's home. He's come home. Come out to my place tomorrow. We are going to eat and drink and celebrate. My son, my son who once was dead is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. We're going to throw a party. And in ending the story like that, Jesus' listeners were certain just to shake their head one more time and go, man, that's no ordinary dad. Which again is precisely Jesus' point because the whole parable is designed to leave us shaking our heads saying, you know what, the Father in heaven, man, he is no ordinary father. He is the most extraordinary father that human minds could ever wrap their, their minds around. Coastal, listen to me for a minute. That is why we do what we do. That's why we build relationships like Jesus did. That's why we search for the lost. That's why we wait patiently and prayerfully for wayward people to come home, never giving up on anybody. That's why we like to say we will do anything short of sin to reach them. That's why we beat down the gates of hell and rescue people one life at a time. And that's why we believe here at Coastal we don't just go to church, we what? We are the church. We are the church. And we're on a mission. We are on the same mission that Jesus had. And people, you know, even good religious people might complain about the people that we're willing to associate with and build relationships with. But that's why Jesus came. That's the heart of God. And listen to me, it ought to be our heart. It ought to be our heart. And so what does that, what does that have to do with us as a church in 2017? What does it have to do with you? Listen to me, I believe I believe that God has called our church to keep growing, to keep reaching people, to keep reaching people who are far from him. God is not done with us here at Coastal. Why? Because there are still people in Charleston who need Jesus. Listen to me. The end goal of our church was never to build this building. Come on. Listen, this building It's just a tool. That's it. It's just a tool to keep growing, to keep reaching people. And so, as long as there are more people in our community who need who need Jesus, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fill it. We're going to fill it again. We're going to add another service, and we're going to fill it again. I actually believe that we can grow to a church of somewhere between, you know, seven hundred fifty to thousand people with our current buildings. Now I know that to be true. I know that to be a fact because this past Easter Sunday, we had 958 people here in three services. And then guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna build another building on the back of our property. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fill that one. And we're gonna fill that one. And then this building right here, our students, guess what? This becomes yours, right? This is is the youth building. This is the community center. But listen to me, the goal, the goal has never been buildings. The goal is people. The same people that Jesus came for. The goal is loving, the goal is serving, sharing, and being the church until God calls us home or Jesus returns. And so as I was praying about our church for 2017, setting some goals, I kept coming back in my mind and my heart to one verse of scripture In the book of Acts, Acts 2.47, listen to this. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Isn't that awesome? Think about that for a second. It says that every day, each day, people were being saved. Now, here's a trick question. Not a trick question. You know, how many days are in a year? How many days? Say it. 365. So think about that for a second. So it was normal for people to come to faith on average, every day of the year in the early church. Man, I'd love to see that in my lifetime through the ministry of Coastal. I mean, I think about that, that one day before I die, 365 people over the course of a year get saved and come to Christ through the ministry of our church because it was normal for people to come to Christ. One day, I believe we're gonna see that. But what could we accomplish through God's power and by his grace this year? 2017 Well, here's what God laid on my heart. At the end of this year, I want to look back and say that it was normal for at least one person to get saved and give their life to Christ each week, every Sunday, throughout the year, here at coastal, on average, over the entire year. OK? So you ready? You're real smart? How many weeks are in a year? How many? 52. So over the course of the year, here's our goal for 2017. I want to see 52 people come to Christ. 52 people get saved. Now, that might be a fifth grader over in Coastal Kids. That might be one of our students uh, in our WAVE student ministry next weekend on their retreat a friend, a neighbor, a coworker that you've been praying for, that you've been building that relationship with, inviting them to Coastal. And finally, on Easter Sunday, you know, or the kickoff to at the movies or any, or any particular Sunday that they come here to Coastal and they give their life to Jesus. It might happen in a life group or over a cup of coffee. But over the course of the year, I want to see 52 people who cross the line of faith. So at the end of the year, we say, you know what? It's normal here at Coastal for people to come to Christ. That we average at least one person every Sunday, every week, that gets saved. 52 people who cross the line of faith and give their lives to Jesus. 52 people who once were lost become found. 52 people who were once dead in their sin come alive by the resurrection power of Jesus and through the ministry of Coastal. Now, how are we going to accomplish that? How are we gonna do it? You ready for this? The power of one, one life at a time. Our strategy, invest and invite, build relationships. You know, live as missionaries in, in, in your community, where you live, where you work, where you play, at the school, at the gym, on the sports team. Love and serve your neighbors and pray. Man, pray for the open door. Share your story, share your faith and invite them to a place where they're going to hear about Jesus. Together, we are going to work like we always do, like it all depends on us, but we're going to pray like it all depends on God. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to trust him with the results, and then we're going to celebrate. Celebrate the outcome. Now, this year, because sometimes I think when you set a goal, it's good to be able to see that, to think about it, and to visualize it. And so to serve as a, a visual reminder of our goal this year and our purpose, uh, we had uh, this sign built. So I want you to see this. And uh, what does it say? Okay, well, it's really not an O, but you get the idea, right? That's our, you know that's our logo. So um, we had this sign built. It's uh, the word one. Now, what you might not notice... Uh, but hopefully you notice it quickly, is that within uh, the sign, guess how many lights are in the sign? 52. So we're going to mount it. Uh, We're going going to mount it somewhere here in our building and we're going to, for everybody to see. But now I know right now we we turned on all the lights so you can see what it's going to look like uh, at the end result. But here's what's going to happen. Every week... You know, throughout the year, as people give their life to Christ, guess what we're going to do? We're going to light up the light. Light up the light. So who knows? Maybe next week there's two lights on. You know, maybe a month from now we kick off a series and five people give their life to Christ. But I, I want you to see it. I want, I want, it, to, I want it to keep in, in your mind. And, and then, after all 52 lights... Boy, this is warm. This feels good right here, by the way. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Feels good. Um. And then, after all 52 lights are lit, you know what we're going to do? Guess what we're going to do? We're going to party. We're going to have a huge celebration. So let me close by asking you this. Who is your one? Who are you reaching out to? You know, who's on your heart? Who are you building a relationship with who doesn't know Christ? Christ. Who are you loving and serving? Who are you inviting to Coastal? I mean, who are you praying for that you would have an open door? Who are you praying for that they would open their lives to Christ? In fact, I want to kind of issue a challenge. I want to challenge you this year, each week, in fact, I'll even go a step further, each day, to take one minute, one, power of one, to pray, for one person. You know, maybe you even commit to pray every day at one o'clock. Make it easy. I, I think in, you know systematically like that. But one minute, once a day, at 1 p.m. for one person. The power of one. In fact, this morning, if you're, if you're willing to take on that commitment in 2017 with me and with our staff, um, on the back of your Connect card, everybody take out their Connect card just for a moment. On the back of your Connect card, just write the word one, O-N-E. And that'll let us know, man, you're in, you're all in. You're praying, You're, you're, you're moving toward this goal, you're reaching out, you're inviting one, the word one. Now, I also want to challenge you to write something else on your Connect card this morning. Because I bet, my guess is, that some of you already know who your one is. You know, actually, one of the little tools that we use here at Coastal is that little thing, who's in your wallet. And we tell you to write down the names of people that are far from God, that you're building relationships with, that you're inv- investing and inviting. And, and uh, so some of you already know who your one is. And you might have, you know, your one might be three, four. You know some people in your life that you're reaching out to. But today, at least, I want you to think of just that one. Who is it? And, and maybe if you're honest, you're like, Chris, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't I haven't even thought about my life that way as a missionary. I haven't even thought of my life as, you know, reaching out to people. And, and maybe your start this morning is just pray that God would open your mind and open your heart to see people and circumstances the way he does. But this morning, if you know who your one is, write their name down on the back of your Connect card if you feel comfortable doing so. And we're not going to, like, share this with anybody, but we have a prayer team and our staff, and we would love to pray with you and pray for that person with you today and, and throughout this year. And it would to be so cool that as we, you know, as those people come to Christ, we turn on a light, we turn on a light. Who knows, maybe we'll turn them all on, you know, by Easter Sunday. Now, I can't close today without, without asking this. Maybe there is somebody here today who has been in a distant land. And you're ready to come home. And you heard today for the very first time maybe that all it takes is one step of faith. And our extraordinarily loving Father, he runs to you with arms outstretched, ready to welcome you home. Why not come home today? All... It, it's not as hard as you maybe have been told or you think, it's, it's faith. It is that one step of faith. It's turning away from that faraway place, that distant land, and just taking a step toward God and saying, God, forgive me. I do want to come home. I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and what the word says about him, that he's your son. And he came in that redemptive story, that redemptive mission for me. I believe that. That's where that faith is. I I believe, God, that he went to that cross for me. But this world and sin and death could not contain him. And as much as I know how and much as I understand, I believe he rose from the dead and he is alive. That's that one step of faith. And if you believe that and if you will receive Christ into your life, the Bible says that he adopts you into his family as his forever child. What a great way to start the new year. You can do that today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your extraordinary love. Thank you for your heart that is so bent toward people like me, people of this world. We have a tendency to feed at a trough that never satisfies, that never fills that hole in our soul. I thank you for that, those people in my life who are willing to reach out to the one who reached out to me I thank you for the people here at this church who do that on a regular basis, who love and pray and wait patiently and share and invest and invite, all those things. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those people and you feel like you've been in a distant land, but you're ready to come home. Listen, it takes one, one step of faith. Cry out to your heavenly Father today in your heart. Say, God, forgive me. Today, I wanna come home. Father, Father, I do believe. I do believe that Jesus is your son. I do believe he came to this earth for people like me and he paid the price for my sin that I could never repay. I believe he did that through going to a cross. He rose from the dead and he is alive. God, today I believe that. I put all of my trust in him and him alone and what he did for me, no longer in religion or uh, God, rebellion, none of that. God, I, I put my faith in him. And very simply, for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow him. And I want to become more and more like you now see me, perfect, clean, brand new, your son, your daughter, adopted into your forever family. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for Coastal. God, what, a, what an awesome thing as we just see week in and week out people coming who were once were dead are now alive, who once were in darkness are now in the light. Once we're lost, but now are found. The power of one, one person, one life at a time, changes the world. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that. Thank you that we get to do that with you. We love you, Father. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.